0: Welcome to the Principles of Success. Interviewing the experts in today's book review is possibly the most important book that you could ever possibly read. And that is, How to Win Friends and Influence People. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Setting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This book is old. This is one of the grandfather self-help books. But just because it's old doesn't mean that it's not important to read it. In fact... The reason why you still have heard of it, even though it's so old, is because it's such an impactful and important book. Everyone should read this book probably at least once a year, or at least listen to this episode at least once a year. Part of the reason why I do this podcast is basically to take summary notes for myself in audio form, because I don't like reading my own notes. And I'm going to re-listen to this episode personally probably at least once a month. That's probably going to be one of my main goals, is to re-listen to this over and over again cuz winning friends and influencing people is success. The human experience is all about dealing with people. And because this book is so important, I'm not going to split it in half. So, I'm just going and I'm just going to keep going until I'm done. So for all I know, this might be an hour-long episode and y'all will just have to deal with it. So without further ado, let's dive right into how to win friends and influence people. So the first section, there's three principles in the first section, and it is the basics of handling people. Part one, scolding is stupid. If you scold people, it doesn't do anything, it just makes them not like you. They will condemn you for condemning them. People are creatures of emotion, not logic, so just because you are right doesn't mean that they'll be happy that you proved them wrong. And now I'm going to read a poem that he includes in the book, because it is just a freaking good poem that... You guys should listen to. The poem's name is Father Forgets. Listen, son, I am saying this to you as you lie asleep, one little paw crumpled under your cheek and the blonde curls sticking wet on your damp forehead. I have stolen into your room alone. Just a few minutes ago, as I sat reading my paper in the library, a stifling wave of of remorse swept over me. Guiltily, I came to your bedside. Here are the things I was thinking, son. I had been cross to you. I scolded you as you were dressing for school, because you gave your face merely a dab with a towel. I took you to to task for not cleaning your shoes. I called out angrily when you threw some of your things on the floor. At breakfast I found fault, too. You spilled things, you gulped down your food, you put your elbows on the table, you spread butter too thick on your bread. And as you started off to play, and I made for my train, you turned and waved a hand and said, "'Goodbye, Daddy,' And I frowned and said in reply, hold your shoulders back. Then it began all over again in the late afternoon. As I came up the road, I spied you down on your knees playing marbles. There were holes in your stockings. I humiliated you before your boyfriends by marching you ahead of me to the house. Stockings were expensive, and if you had to buy them, you would be more careful. Imagine that, son, from a father. Do you remember later when I was in the library reading how you came in timidly with a sort of hurt look in your eyes? When I glanced up over my paper, impatient at the interruption, you hesitated at the door. What is it you want? I snapped. You said nothing, but ran across in a tempestuous plunge, and threw your arms around my neck, and kissed me, and your small arms tightened with an affection that God had set blooming in your heart, and which even neglect could not wither. And then you were gone, pattering up the stairs. Well, son, it was shortly afterwards that my paper slipped from my hands, and a terrible, sickening fear came over me. What has habit been doing to me? The habit of finding fault, of reprimanding, of reprimanding. This was my reward f- to you for being a boy. It was not that I did not love you. It was that I expected too much of youth. I was measuring you by the yardstick of my own years. And there was so much that was good and fine and true in your character. The little heart of you was as big as the dawn itself over the wild hills. This was shown by your spontaneous impulse to rush in and kiss me goodnight. Nothing else matters tonight, son. I have come to your bedside in the darkness, and I have knelt there ashamed. It is a feeble atonement. I know you would not understand these things if I told them to you during your waking hours. But tomorrow, I will be a real daddy. I will chum with you, and suffer when you suffer, and laugh when you laugh. I will bite my tongues when impatient words come. I will keep saying as if it were a ritual. He is nothing but a boy, a little boy. I am afraid I have visualized you as a man. Yet as I see you now, son, crumpled and weary in your cot, I see that you are still a baby. Yesterday, you were in your mother's arms, your head on her shoulder. I have asked too much. Too much. Pause for dramatic effect. But that was principle one. Don't criticize, condemn, or complain. Part two. There is only one way to get someone to do whatever you want. Make them want to do it. Everyone has a strong feeling of a desire to be great, a feeling of importance. Tycoons, bankers, robbers, and invalids all do what they do to try and get a feeling of importance and uniqueness and significance. People do better with, a pra- with approval and praise than with criticism. Spouses leave because of lack of praise. Now, this isn't talking about flattery. This is talking about praise. Be appreciative. You would be a horrible person if you let your kids or spouse go six days without food. But what about six days without praise? When was the last time you praised them? But again, praise is not flattery. Flattery is telling the other person exactly what they think of themselves. Praise is appreciating them for what they do. Mention small appreciations. Say thank you for the littlest of tasks, like for instance, taking your dishes to the sink or turning off a light switch. Or opening the door for, or when your husband opens the door for you. So principle two, give honest, sincere appreciation. Part three, I like strawberries, but fish like worms. Instead of trying to give people what you like, give them what they want. And I'm going to be hammering this principle home a lot throughout this season of relationships. Because it doesn't matter what you want to sell the buyer. It's whatever they want to buy. It doesn't matter what you find attractive. It's what th- it, it doesn't matter what men find attractive. It matters what women find attractive if you're trying to attract a woman, and vice versa. And that entire small section was probably confusing, but I'll do better next time. But basically, don't try and feed them fit the fish strawberries when they like worms. Because... People don't care what you want. They only care what they want. See things from their point of view. And when you see their point of view, you can make them excited and pique their interest. So principle three, arouse in the other person an eager want. So that's the first section of the basics of handling people. The next section is six ways to make people like you. Part one, you make more friends by being interested in them than you can in two years by being, by, trying to get them interested in you. People focus on I. They don't give a crap about you. They want to know about themselves. They want to hear themselves talk. And when you're focused on them being interested in them and making them enjoy the conversation, then you're going to have better luck at befriending them. Find out when their birthdays are. We are only interested in others when they are interested in us. So principle one, become generally interested in other people. Part two, a simple way to make a good first impression, smile. Be warm, have fun. When you're warm and fun, people want to be around you. You have to learn to control your thoughts. Most people are about as happy as they make up their minds to be. And yes, I know that's a lot easier said than done. But all things come through a desire. Do you desire to be happy and smile? So principle two, smile. Part three, remember their names, learn their names and facts about them. Fix it in your mind. Because principle three, a person's name is the sweetest word in any language. Part four, an easy way to become a good conversationalist. They don't want to hear about you, they want to hear about them. People crave a good listener. To be interesting, be interested and ask questions to encourage them to talk about themselves. And then this isn't included in the book, but don't filter your thoughts. An overly filtered conversation is a stagnant and boring conversation. So principle four, be a good listener and encourage them to talk about themselves. Part five, the day before, read up on what they like to talk about. You want to know how to interest people? Talk about their interests. Principle five, talk in terms of the other person's interests. Part six, always make the other person feel important. Small acts of making them feel worthwhile makes them happy. It's the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Show appreciation for their interests, for their hobbies, and for their achievements. Especially their achievements. Inflate their ego. Honestly, there's nothing more annoying when a friend tells me I'm just keeping you humble. I'm like, no, you're being annoying. I don't need you to keep me humble. I need you to talk me up. Life will keep me humble. Your job as my friend is to boo me up, not weigh me down. And these two first sections are the most important sections. So the second half of this episode is also really important. But if you only listen to these first two sections on a regular basis, that's good enough. By the way, if you would like to purchase this book and want to help support the podcast, there is a link down below that will take you directly to Amazon. And if you purchase the book through that link, Amazon will give me a couple of pennies. So I would appreciate it if you would use the link down below. Moving on. Section number three, how to win people to your view. Principle one, you can't win an argument. People don't want to be corrected, especially if it'll make them lose face. Do not prove somebody wrong in front of their friends. You may be dead right, but it doesn't matter if you're dead to them. People want a feeling of importance, and arguing with them makes them want to exude their authority. They're not listening to hear your views. They're listening to prove you wrong. So, control your temper. Listen first. Look for areas of agreement. Apologize for mistakes. Thank them for their interest, because if they're interested enough to argue with it, then they're interested in the subject. And then always keep the mindset of, could my opponents be partly right? So, that way you can look for areas of agreement. So, principle one, the only way to win an argument is to avoid it. Section two, or part two. A sure way of making enemies and how to avoid it. No one wants to be told they're wrong. Don't threaten their self-esteem. And in the reverse, if you can't be told otherwise, no one will like you or enlighten you on the things you don't know about. So don't tell people they're wrong. Principle two, show respect for the other, for the other's opinions. Never say you're wrong. Section three, be eager to admit your errors. Not just apologize when you're wrong and are proven wrong. Be eager to admit your errors. Beat the other person to c- criticizing your mistakes. He tells a story about him walking his dog and a cop. So it's this park that's hardly, there's hardly anybody there. But the rule is you have to have your dog on a leash. Well, his dog doesn't like a leash and he doesn't like having him on a leash. So he just lets him not be on a leash. And then one day a cop shows up and I'm like yeah, 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 exuding his authority and he apologizes, and the cop lets him off, but he says, if I ever catch you again, you're gonna be in real trouble. Well, then he uh, keeps him on a leash for a while, but then he gets lax and lets him run free. And then he runs into the cop again weeks later. And before the cop can even open his mouth, he starts talking about how, I kn- you caught me, I- I- I'm in the wrong here, da da So that way, the only way the cop can exude his authority is by being a forgiving soul. If you're trying to deny and not admit to your errors, then the the way that they exude control and power, and this is for anybody, not just cops, is to bring the hammer down. But if you're apologizing, the only way for them to be important is to be the forgiving authority. So when right, handle it with tact. But when wrong, admit it and admit it quickly. So principle three, when you're wrong, admit it quickly and emphatically. Part four, if you come at, we, come at me with your fist raised, mine are going to be raised. If someone's being aggressive, you're going to get aggressive. This is the classic, honey is more effective than vinegar. Be friendly. If you begin in a friendly way, then people are going to react more friendly. If you begin in an aggressive way, then people are going to react aggressively. Principle four, begin in a friendly way. Part five, begin with how you agree, not with how you differ. Phrase it in ways that make them say yes. Bring it from their point of view. So he tells a story about the banker dealing with a customer that doesn't want to give them um, his uh, next of kin's name and address and phone number. So the way that the banker handles it is, well, if you were to die and you you want your money to be able to be delivered promptly to your next of kin how are we supposed to do that if we don't know who they are and so he was like well i guess that kind of makes sense and i'll guess i'll give it to you and back to the previous one if you're treading softly if you're not being aggressive he who treads softly goes far so if you're asking questions that are making them say yes instead of just being like no you need to give me your number you're going to get a lot farther ...by making them say yes instead of making them argue with you. So principle five, get the other person saying yes. Principle six is listening first. The safety valve of handling complaints is listen to them first. They don't care what you have to say till they get it off their chest. If you interrupt somebody while they're in mid-complaining... Or let's reverse it. If someone interrupts you while you're complaining... Are you listening to their counter-arguments or are you just waiting for an opening... To be able to finish what the heck you were saying. Listen first. Let them blow through their entire material of arguments and complaints. And then you can start asking questions. But you have to listen first. And that's principle six. Part seven. Don't sell them on what you think they should have. Let them buy what they have ideas on. People don't want to be sold your ideas. They want to come up with their own ideas and have you help facilitate it. So principle seven, let the other person feel like the idea is theirs. Part eight, maybe they enjoy pulling weeds. Consider things from their point of view. Let them save face. I hate pulling weeds, but somebody might enjoy pulling weeds a lot and find it an enjoyable pastime. I would rather walk in front of someone's office for two hours before an interview than to have a perfect idea of what I was going to say and from their point of view what they were going to say than have no idea. So what that's saying is, if you haven't thought out a conversation, especially an important conversation, and thought out exactly what you want to say, and from their point of view, what they will most likely say, then you're not prepped. You need to spend more time, possibly a couple of hours, thinking about it. So principle eight, try honestly to see things from their point of view. Actually, real quick, back to the pulling the weeds. I kind of skipped it. Uh... If somebody's doing something that you think is a complete waste of time, try and think of it from their point of view. I hate pulling weeds. I think it's very un- unenjoyable. But maybe uh, they like pulling weeds and would appreciate it if you came and spent time with them pulling weeds. Part nine. If I were you, I'd think exactly as you do. Of course, you would, if you were them, you would think exactly as they do because that's exactly what they're thinking. People are hungering for sympathy. Adults and kids will wound themselves to get sympathy. And so just because they're in disagreement with you doesn't mean you can't have sympathy because their life experiences and what they've gone through has shaped their mindset for exactly how they're approaching the conflict. So principle nine, be sympathetic for the other person's ideas and desires. And I'm going really long, so... Principle 10, appeal to the nobler motives. People want to appear to be fair and good people. If you assume good intentions... People will probably or if you appeal to the good intentions, people will probably come through. Principle eleven, dramatize your ideas. Make it dramatic. If you have if you're a glass salesman trying to show how your glass won't shatter, give the customer a hammer and let them beat away at the glass. In this book, he uses an example of a soaps person who's talking about who's talking to this one client. And he's presenting him with all these facts and figures and the client doesn't give a crap. But then he comes back a, a, a different day with all of his competitors' different soaps and showing different facts and figures on each of the sho- soaps. Uh, dramatize your ideas. Make it more appealing than just your blah blah words. To- and then principle 12, throw down a challenge. People like to be in competition. He tells a story about how the fact to motivate the different crews of the factory, uh, the owner writes down how much the previous shift did. And so the next shift was like, what's this big number for? And they're like, well, that's what the night shift did. And so just to prove that they were slightly better than the night shift, the day shift did eight. Well, then the night shift came back and they were like, oh, so the day shift thinks they're better than us. And then they did nine. People like having a challenge. Part four, Be a be a leader. Principle one, begin with praise and appreciation. Principle two, call a, call attention to a mistake indirectly. Begin with praise, like appreciate what they have, but then don't use the word but. Use the word and. and. But is a negating word. It is, well, I said all these really nice things, but none of those things matter now. It's just the complaint. So an example is, I really appreciate you getting my delivery on time, but it had a slightly bit of damage. Could you do better next time? Versus, I really appreciate you getting the package here on time, and I would appreciate it if in the future you could be a little more careful. There's a little bit of damage right here. Slightly different. Slightly nicer. Again, people don't like to be criticized. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Principle three, talk about your own mistakes first. If you're going to, if you have to lay down the law uh he uses a, uses an example of a girl who has trouble with her grammar and spelling and in that example he talks about how he has this little he, when he's talking to her he points out that he has this little book of words that he has trouble spelling so that way he can look them up real quick remember this book's old so if you have to correct someone's mistakes mention your mistakes first don't be all proud about yourself and going back to the father forgets Especially if there's an age gap or a professional age g- gap, remember where you were at that time, and how much you wish your superiors or elders had sympathy for you. Part principle four: ask questions, don't demand orders. Ask people if they can do this. Principle five: save face. Don't embarrass people; they will they will never appreciate it, and they will always hold a grudge against you. Principle six: praise. When you are praising, be specific. Don't be like, oh, you're such a good worker. I appreciate you. Be like, hey, I really appreciate how you made sure the lights in that classroom got done in time for the big event. So thank you. And then principle seven. Give them a good reputation. Assume a virtue. People live up to the expectations that you give them. If you assume the person is lazy and rude then they will act lazy and rude to you. But if you, back to the appreciation, if you tell them that you appreciate how organized they are, even if they're not very organized, they will probably make sure to try and be more organized. Give them a good reputation to live up to, not a bad reputation to live up to. And that is it for how to win friends and influence people. This year's book review collection is going to be really nice because I've actually been working on this particular book list of this year's for a couple years now. So I hope you guys enjoy and I will see you all next week.